We're on Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. Parshat Chukat. And a chok, does anybody know the difference between chukim and mishpatim? Mishpatim are laws, yes, Bert. It makes sense. Laws that have reason. We would do anyway. Yes. Even if God didn't exist. I thought mishpatim was family. Mishpacha. Mishpacha. And a chok or chukim are, if mishpatim are laws with reason, what is a chok? Without reason. reason. So the preceding story, just as a preamble, is about a red heifer that you must Mm -hmm. use to purify from death. There cannot be reason to this, and that's why it is a chok. Now here's the irony, the challenge that we have today is what is the reasoning behind not letting Moses into Israel because of this episode of the waters of Meribah, of these bitter waters. We are here in this story going to try to ask ourselves not only what happened, because we've heard this story about complaining Israelites again and again, but this is really a failure of leadership, perhaps, and an explanation of why Moses is not allowed into Israel. But I'm, I'm kind of giving you the lead here, Chekhov's gun, so to speak. In Act 1, if you see a gun, you know in Act 3 it's going off. Why is this story, why is this story in Parshat Chukat? What is the reason that Moses isn't allowed into Israel that it is given in this parsha as part of chukat. Is that a rhetorical question? Or? You, can make, you make it explicit just so that everyone's on the, the same Torah well, is page. It, well, is it, is, it because, is it because this is where Miriam's death is placed? So we're going to talk about that, absolutely. You could, but so I'm going to either be more basic. Well, it's a generational and Aaron passes as well in this parsha. And Moses isn't allowed. So for all of the rabbis navel-gazing and discussing, and we'll, we'll go through so many of their commentaries, I just want to say the lead. Why is Moses not allowed? Because it's not in the cards. Because God said so. It's not, that's what my folks used to say all the time. It's not in the cards. It's just, Didn't we see that it seemed like God was losing a little confidence in Moses in earlier version? Uh, you know, and you could say, I, I just I'll be strong about that. I could say the same for God on the other side. You know, God wanted to take out all the Israelites. Moses was losing some confidence too, and yet they maintained this relationship. But I, I guess I'm saying text contextually in this Parsha, it is couched within, and you'll see even in the following stories, we're going to focus on this one. These things don't have explanations. We, in retrospect, try to explain why all these things happen. We spend so much of our lives, in fact, building the categories of as to why. Well, why didn't he get into Harvard? Well, there's these problems and that problem, society problems. Why is it hotter? You know, it's hotter because it's getting hotter. Now, I do think that there are environmental reasons to uh, this heat wave that's about to come upon us. But let's take a look. But my favorite is... Uh, from the Emeka Davar, 
Aramas, uh, it was actually, I'm sorry, Moshe Chaim Lutzato, who said, 19th century Italy, he said, the rabbis have put so many reasons, 14 different reasons they've come up with why Moses isn't allowed into Israel. I don't want to sin further and give you another reason. <laughs> there, there are people who say everything happens for a reason. Quite the opposite is true. And the writing, why do bad things happen to good people, discusses that entire dichotomy. Oh, for sure. That Kushner book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, walks they through do. the book of Job. There's no reason. So let's begin That's here. Jewish. And I, I really do want to take this, uh, not just uh, t- uh, Torah in its time and place, but for us as well, when we have a, a community that is complaining about water, that they can't find water, let's do a close read. Um, chapter 20. Uh, the Israelites, Vayavo'u b'nei Yisrael, kol ha'edah midbar arrived at the body of the wilderness of Tzin, that's with the Tzadi, not a midbar of Sin, although some have said that. The first of the new moon, the people stayed at Kadesh. Vayeshev ha'am Kadesh. I just want, we're thinking about the Israelites wandering in the desert, right? So you're thinking maybe it's like a 4th of July weekend. Some rabbis say this is as long as 20 years in this one place. This is a, a very solid group that has encamped there. So this is not just kind of a pass-through, uh, according to many commentators. Vetamot Sham Miriam, and Miriam died there, and was buried there. The community was without water, and they joined against Moses and Aaron. What is surprising to you in Yes, Susan, please. I said nothing. Nothing. That's the problem. Yes? So I'm already going to give you an explanation that uh, perhaps. Why is Moses punished in this moment? Or further down? And with a full disclaimer, I don't think this is the reason. Miriam, who is she? Died, and and suddenly they need water. They died, suddenly they need water. And what on the Passover plate does anybody know? Hi, good morning. What on the Passover plate does anybody add uh, on your table? A Miriam? A glass of water. orange, yes. Because, yes, there'll be an orange on the Seder plate before there'll be women rabbis. Thank God. Amy's doing great at Hardman, by the way. She's having a wonderful time. Uh, no, there's also a glass. Miriam's cup is what? Water. Water. And Why? Why water? What's the midrash? Uh, this is good. Midrash is that there was water until she died because she brought water. Her Wherever brought Miriam water. was, there was water. Could you imagine her and you know some of these kinds of divining rods? Her tambourine was a divining rod. Her music. What are some other stories about Miriam with water? Crossing Just of the sea. Miriam's there. Well, and at the very beginning. When, when she she uh, she. Uh, uh, gets him out of the Nile. That's right. She helps to save Moses. And for all of this, how does the Torah celebrate her? Oh, one second. Nothing. And he didn't mourn her. With the Gaber shop. No that's right. Well, that's the issue. And well, and further on in this parsha, they mourn Aaron thirty days. I, yes. You know, I just I started to read from the beginning this morning of the portion and yes. we talked all about the red heifer and I made the connection that 
a lot. This is what you do when someone dies. When they were done telling you that, the next thing that happens, Miriam dies. And? and it talks about putting like a, a little bit of water, you know, to make... The lustrous water yeah. with the powder of the red heifer. This is what you do on a case of a death that is without explanation. This is actually a tremendous ritual, and I've done for people when you have death without a clear explanation, or you don't have burial, or you don't have some of these opportunities that a traditional death does. They had the opportunity and they missed it. Why? Hi, guys, welcome. Things happen. Things happen. We're on chapter 20. Chapter 20. Lo hayamayim la'eda. Okay. It says the community was without water. One read is there's no water. What's the other read? Now this is I'm a parent of two boys. There's nothing to eat. I've been spending all month just clearing out my fridge and cu- cupboard of things that uh, there's nothing to eat, right? There's always to eat. So, you know what I mean? <clears throat> Do you know what I'm saying? There's always. So now I want to give Midrash here. What does it mean? Lo la'ida. No was water for the community. I, it's just what's an alternative explanation to that they didn't find water? Yeah, it, it might not, it might not have been as easy to get as it was before. In other words, there there may be water, but you might have to go a mile to get it. Or just link the midrash of Miriam that would get you water whenever you needed. She could find the water. Miriam dies, so the community well, was out water. Up. Why? Wells dry up. See, I, I don't even think you have to get supernatural. Just get parental. Why could the community... Mom's gone. Mom's gone. They couldn't find water because they were absolutely in mourning. There was no process, nothing lustrous. What's the first thing you do after the loss of a, a community leader? We have a good plan in place. We're here. We've got other ways. We, in fact, provide that sense of security. So I just want to say, I think this is a metaphor for they were without water, which means they were in mourning. They were in deep mourning, and they were in anger. What's interesting is the people were in mourning. Mm-hmm. Well, it is also clear. Now, Moses and Aaron may have been in mourning, but they also, in this strange uh, combination, this is their sister, and yet they also, this was a community leader, and they did not mourn. And this also goes back to Aaron and the death of his two sons. God was very clear don't unwrap your head, don't go into mourning. Be the sense of stability. What did they do here? Everything's fine. Moving right along. Chip chop. We buried her. Move on. And then, and it shows that it's not that Moses and Aaron were, to your point, Mark, because <coughs> we are Tzihilat Yisrael. They congregated. I love this. It says against Moses and Aaron in the Hebrew, Al. What is Al? On. Uh-huh. They ganged up on Moses and on Aaron. 
Vayarev ha'am im Moshe v'yomru, and then they they quarreled with Moses. If only we had died as our brothers as our as our brothers and sisters died before God. A very interesting reference. Who who is that? Perhaps is that Nadav and Abihu? Why have you brought God's congregation to the wilderness for us and our beasts to die here? The Midrash is great on this. It says when people are without strength, it's not just ourselves and our beasts, the people become like beasts. They lose their sense of humanity. It was a time for new leadership. Moses had kind of outworn and out, he had finished his task and it was time for new leadership but the change is always very difficult. We may find that in 2020 that it's difficult to make that change in leadership. Uh, perhaps but this is the same story. Mm. This is the same story we had earlier. Yes? Sometimes just about it's time to die. It, yes. it is a transition, and it was also, you know, they had the sin of the spies just a few chapters ago, and God says this generation needs to die in the desert. Now, is that because they weren't, they didn't have faith, and this new generation was going to build new faith? That's an explanation. That's midrash. But I just want to say, Judith, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I and I'm not talking about this current, you know, political scene, but I, I, I do challenge. You know, it was this time. She, you know, she had a good twenty-year run. That's plenty. It's time to get new blood, new leadership, new vision. Well, how about people that come to terms with their own lives and find an entirely new expression of themselves, or the ability to learn and change and grow in this very ageist? I, I say this with deep respect to my elders and and colleagues and friends. It's an ageist society. You know, and, and meanwhile, they could have just killed them. They could have said, Joshua, you're a great leader. You don't hear that. You had Korach scenario. So I don't know. I'm just challenging you. I don't know. Do we know how old Miriam was? It doesn't give us the years. Was well, she, she was older than Moses. Was she Moses, older than Aaron? Uh, I'm not I sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not she good was on Mo that. Moses' older sister. Yeah. Right. She saved him. She and he prayed for her, right? Mm-hmm. In designating Miriam, quote, a sister of Aaron and of end of Aaron and Moses, the biblical writers use their kinship terminology to express Miriam's parallel status in religious leadership. She was divinely as a leader in the wilderness. Well, why, why, what's your concern about her age? No, I was just saying. Oh, you're just curious. I'm, uh, she died. They don't say why she died or how she died. Yeah, and my and I guess the the absence the the gap there is, they just they could not deal with their grief, and that resulted, if they had been more uh, thoughtful, in that process of grief, and this is we'll get to a little later about the hitting the rock. I find as an extended metaphor for grief, instead of talking and allowing waters to come that are bitter, that can be turned sweet by forcing and, and using argument as a way to get what they needed. They got what they needed in the short term, but ultimately it cost them 
Moses the, the kind of gift of the promised land, even to be explained away in this way. So how old was Moses when he died? 120. 120. Okay. So 120. Mickey, you got 27, so just keep doing push-ups. At which point I'll renegotiate. Fair enough. Right. It's a, That's where we get the may you live to be 100. That's right. If we, um, if we, if we go back for just a tiny bit, say, um, all the way back to Genesis we, yes. and, and, the, and the women of Genesis, we've got this, this tension prior to the exile into, or prior to the going down into Egypt. Mm-hmm. We have this tension between the sort of the patriarchal-based tribal religions and the sort of feminine-based Sumerian Mesopotamian religions. Okay, interesting, yeah. And so, in some sense, even Miriam, even though there's no direct connection between the power of the feminine, clearly there is a power of the feminine still going on with Miriam because, you know, she's got the divining rod, she's the one who kind of knows where to be. Okay, interesting. Okay, and then... This is kind of like the last, this is kind of like, her death is almost like the last gasp of this the, ma- the Jewish feminine, matriarchy. The feminine, the feminine influence within <coughs> Jews. So in that read, I'm just Richard, I'm trying to follow it, which in that read, is it perhaps they didn't mourn her death officially, turn it into something cultic mm-hmm. for fear of uh, perpetuation of a Idolatry. Mystical idol. Well, well, not well. I, just a different, a different viewpoint <clears throat> from the Moses Aaron patriarch, which, which by now is becoming the orthodoxy. Very interesting. Not my. Very just, interesting. It's a, just, yeah, yeah. A thought. Just that um, feminists look at it as women didn't count. It was totally patriarchal. I mean, I see the gap from verse two, from one to two, that Midrash needs to scream. This is where Rashi says, why? Huh? Nothing? And this is what comes out. You have a rebellious child. They didn't do anything after the death of their, you know, their, their mom. And all of a sudden, there's a rebellious child five years down the road. Well, you didn't see it. They were such a good kid. You know, these are the kinds of moments that you say, hey, something is missing. Va'Allah Haron. And now let us... So, But we've heard this before. Oh, why did you make us leave Egypt? Now I'm on verse 5. To bring us to this wretched place. No grain or figs or vines or pomegranates. There isn't even water. And Moses and Aaron came away from the congregation. I love this. They went el petach ohel moed. They went to the door of the tent of the meeting. They just went to the entrance. And they fell on their faces. They fell on their faces. Now, does that mean prayer or does that mean oi? Yeah. I think it's oi. I think it's an oi. I don't think it's a reverent kind of, and now God, what do we do? I think. we done? So this is, and you know, this is, and uh, I'm curious just with the professional wisdom here. You know, it could be as simple as this was their moment at their low and the community was at their low and they were dealing with loss that Moses wasn't at his best, nor Aaron. 
with good reason, but that doesn't mean professionally that you could be let go at that time because you made this one thing that they hang their head on that. I'm just thinking of God as boss. And you could say, oh my God, I just lost my wife. I've been dealing with these people for 20 years. She says, I don't care. You, you know, the font was supposed to be 12 point and it was, it, you made it 20 point. It was clear. It's in the memo. But I this, but I that. It's a hook. It's the explanation. Here it is in our policies. You took a pen. But I used the pen to write the hospital. Why the lack of mourning? Why just like whether we're parents, sons, so it can't be our Yes. Or feminist point of view. Or married. It's the same. They were treated the same way. They, they died. <clears throat> it seems like there's a lack of compassion. Yes. Uh, have you noticed, you know, Arab Spring uh, began after our mourning process. Uh, tremendous rebellions happen in moments of mourning and grief. I'm, I'm, I'm giving Midrash here. This is not shot. This is not the real read. They were afraid. The leadership was afraid at this moment. And if you brought the end of uh, this powerful water giver, that why they didn't mourn is perhaps they were afraid of the consequences of that collective grief coming out into the public, which, by the way, came out anyway. So I, that's just one explanation. The other is she died. She was buried. Period. You know, Torah doesn't always give you... I mean, we can look at the tremendous uh, midrash that comes around this. There was dancing and singing and music because Miriam was this timbrel. And and yet, here in the, the shot, the straight read is, there's a gap, but I think that gap speaks volumes. Micah, yes. is it possible that <clears throat> they never looked at Miriam as a woman and looked at her more as what we would call a shaman? She had this mystical power to find water whenever they needed water, so she was revered, but not as a woman in full, just because she had these powers. So when she's gone, it's grief, but not as a person. It's just, what do we do? What do you think? No. Why not? Okay, I got one why not and no, but but why no? Because after the crossing of the sea, do you remember Az Yashir Moshe? Moses sings this beautiful mm-hmm. song, and then... Miriam goes with the women. It's clear that it's a male-female dichotomy. Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm saying it's just that they're not... Miriam isn't... This is part of the the, the uh, patriarchal view that women are not in full. They, they have a function. She did the function. She's gone. Let's find somebody else to do the function. Wow. I miss Miriam as a person. <laughs> That's a very interesting read. I, I have not seen that. Because I don't have Miriam's daughters coming and and, yeah. and, and filling that role. I'll find the water. Could it, could it be as simple as uh, an editorial decision? I mean, obviously, this is being written hundreds of years after the fact. Yeah. Right? And so, and so well, you've got... It, it, well... Well, I'm sure there was somebody named Miriam. Miriam well, no, no, and think, you guys, Maryam, bitter sea. You know, Maryam, Miriam. Uh, could it be an editorial choice? Always. <clears throat> because they've got the, the redactors. R, to yeah, you can always just say this well, is an R. You know, we've got, we've got these thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of documents of the origin story, and we've got to, you know, 
you know, the publisher said no more than two volumes. And yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I saw the Star is Born last night, uh, <laughs> and I can say the same thing, you know, editing choices. But there's always that, yeah, there is always that possibility. It's too big, and the complaint too big, is too yeah. big. And I, I will also say, this is just part of my theology, and then Sarah, I'll get to you. I think God's learning too, and God's sad too. God's realizing, hey, these are the people that I worked with. This is my, I, I want to say cabal, but you know, it comes from Kabbalah. Do you know that? <laughs> I'm putting it positively. God also is, is kind of like frustrated and, and in, in a sense, coming to the, it's not an end, but it's in a transitional phase. Judith, you're right that all of these things are in play. Uh, Sarah, and then yeah, Bert. There doesn't seem to be immediately somebody who can take her place. Well, they come against Moses and Aaron, and Moses and Aaron are clearly uh, being told by God what to do here. And no woman. There's no successor to her. Correct. And you would think, and back to this feminist theory, that, for example, the 12 spies... No women? They are. Well, they were the chieftains. And well, the they, chieftains were all men. I'm just saying that there was not this, this strength. I, I find it a powerful absence uh, that begs to be interpreted. And, and Torah versus Greek, uh, some writings, which explain every thought and every action. Uh, and it could just be an editorial decision. Let's go. Let's uh, try to figure out. Yes, Bert, please. There's another thing that didn't happen here. Hmm. <laughs> And that is that Moses... A yard site plaque. Yeah, go ahead. A yard site plaque. <laughs> and that Moses, Moses and Aaron... Coming to the last, uh, last verse you, you read, Moses and Aaron didn't try and deal with the people themselves. They had given up. And the first thing they did was they went and said, God, you take care of us. So in a way, they had also abrogated their leadership. It shows a slight difference between the last bitter waters or the even Slav in Balotcha, the quail, where Moses and Aaron did go, almost put God, even in the Korach, Moses was strategizing what miracle God was going to do with the fire pans to try to create. They are not problem solvers here, I will agree. They just fall on their face and say, do it. Uh, see, that's even an interpretation. Do it. I think that they're fresh out. <laughs> they just fall on their face. They just fall on and their say, face. Well, and God says, <laughs> which is, you know, back to this Levitical, and God spoke to Moses saying, here are the instructions. <clears throat> and it's very, very uh, tactical. Go, you and your brother, I'm on verse 8, you and your brother Aaron take the rod assemble the community and before their eyes order the rock to yield its water thus you shall produce water for them and uh, water for them from the rock and provide drink for the congregation ve'et and their beasts. Before we move forward, just let's hear what was ordered. Um, again, this was from Lutzato. I just, I just read this. I thought it was very interesting. 
What is interesting about before their eyes, order, command. Before their eyes, command. What is a command? Spoken. To yes. Be heard. And he said before their eyes. And so Lutato says perhaps he doesn't want to give fault, but by by what God says, let them see your command. It's kind of like when Abraham said, uh, Sarah says, God says to Abraham, listen to her voice, and he listens to her words, but he was supposed to see the whole picture. He didn't have to exile Hagar and Ishmael. He could have heard her voice and said, I love you. We're going to be a blended family. It's complicated. We're going to do this. But instead, listen directly to her words and not her voice. Here, before their eyes ordered the walk to yield its water was not about hearing it, but it was about the appearance of what was about to transpire. I think good, good midrash, Luzzato. Fantastic. Mm. Gotta love those Italians. Okay. <laughs> Moses took the rod. Now we're on chapter 20, verse 9. He took the rod before God. So, so far, so good. Just as he commanded. So here, I just... Moses and Aaron assembled the congregation is to parv. Anybody in Hebrew grammar, this is a hefeel. Uh, it's an active verb. He forced them to come together. They, were, they came up against him. Come on, everybody, come here before me. And he <laughs> said, listen, Hamorim. Listen, you bitter ones. Mar, Morim. You nasties. I'm just trying to get it, you rebels. Yeah. He said, listen, you rebels. From this rock, we will give for you water. No, he poses it in a question. You want water? You can handle the water. Sorry, that was a Jack Nicholson quote. <laughs> a little bit. I, you know, I haven't seen a film in months. My kids are at camp, so it was... It is. This is a real setup. This is a real scene. And what does this imply? What's, oh, let me just say, and Moses raised his hand, and he struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out and slaked <coughs> the community... Uh, out came copious water and the community and their beast drank. Let's just keep reading because the, this is not... With all of the editing choices, you could have just left it and then had it be descri described in Midrash. But God, it's very clear that they're laying it out. And God says to Moses, uh, the but and and, you know, vav can be so many different things. And God said to Moses and Aaron answering because you did not trust in me enough 
to affirm my sanctity. They are sitting in Kadesh. The place that they are is in Kadesh, holy. In the sight of the Israelite people, therefore you shall not lead this congregation into the land I have given them. And those are the waters of Meribah, the bitter waters. Meaning that the Israelites quarreled with Adonai, whose sanctity was affirmed through them. Very strange last line. So let's just take a second. No, Meribah is this place of waters. Not Miriam, but very close. Riva, Riv is arguing. Okay? So, bitter arguing. So what did Moses do wrong? I mean, there are 14 things he did wrong, according to the rabbis. At least four. Okay, you got four, okay. Well, first of all, all he was told to do was take the rod, speak to the rock, produce water. Right. Okay? So first... And this may go to the whole leadership. Is he the leader? Is he not the leader? He, he takes it upon himself to refer to the assembly as entirely rebellious. He calls them rebels. Right? God didn't say, oh, some of the people are rebellious. Okay, this is how we'll deal with them. For everybody else, this is what you do. Right? God, does, God is silent on the issue. Right? So Moses takes it upon himself to refer to the assembly as rebels. Then... Shall we get water for you? As Nazi. If, as if, as if uh, okay, I, Moses, or I with my brother Aaron, we're going to get water for you. And then, of course, he strikes the rock not once, but twice. So those are four things. Good. Why, yes? Why is it that God tells him to take a rock? It's, it's almost as though he's, he's, he's testing him. Yes. So, because what is this rod? So now let's go back. What is the rod? Where was the rod before? He used it to the sea. And what did the rod with Pharaoh? Yeah, turn into snakes. And he would use the rod all the time. This is his magic wand. And as I told Bert, if you you can go back to Exodus 17, an earlier part of this desert, which is probably similar story reinterpreted. He's told to hit the rock. Mm. No. Okay. Now I want to get geological just for a second. Okay. And this is for those listening online. This is called a 20-second timeout. I'm tapping my shoulders. This is the opinions of Rabbi Hyman. These are totally ridiculous, and I don't expect you to believe them, but I want to throw them out there. So imagine that we're in a a kind of a glacial almost uh, situation, not desert, mountains. And they've been in Kadesh, and they don't have mountains. And this is a glacier. And has anybody been hiking in some of these desert ways? And you can run out of water, and there's snow everywhere. What are the? What is a possibility of getting water? How can you get water from a glacier? So you can melt it, which I would say is talking to the talking to the water. Let's be here. It's going to take some time, but this process will happen. And by the end, uh, has anybody seen a Bedouin gather water from a bush? 
it's extraordinary. There are certain bushes, uh, Eshel, I think they call it, and each gains a little dew. Some of these people think this is what manna was, and with each leaf you drip just a little bit, and then you collect that. You collect that water. And water, again, remember, is Torah. Water is a metaphor. We're not going to get metaphor. So here, just geologically. So, but what does Moses do in emergency? He fracked it. Twice. Yeah, you got your gas. I mean, yeah, you got your fluid. But at what expense? And this is ultimately why, you know, God's in it for the long game. God's in it for the children of Israel to not just inherit the land and inhabit the land, but to live long in the land and to thrive in the land and prosper. And this kind of action, this kind of unilateral tweaking, hitting the rock twice. Because what does twice imply? First time didn't work. First time didn't work. It also implies losing control. Yes. And overkill. <laughs> and words, actions. First they had thought they, the flupnehem is, hey, take a break. And remember just the, the Moses and Korach, when there was a direct rebellion, sleep on it, let's patience. And I think psychological, so the, the geological makes a lot of sense to me that this kind of uh, violence towards the rock combined with you rebels implies a certain leadership. We, we want to see Moses as this prime democratic kind of noble uh, prophet priest king that is benevolent and kind and gracious and yes absolutely humble. Not in this moment. Totalitarian, violent and we're one step away. And I do think it's rooted in grief and loss. Wouldn't you look at this more uh, or in the sense that it's God asserting his primacy? I mean, if you think about it, you could go walk a mile, go over to the sunset, get a well, said, no, no, there's a rock. I'm going to show you my power here. And not only am I going to show you my power, my Moses is going to do it at my direction. Yeah. Anybody inside? Oh, yes, Dana, please. I, I, I feel like Moses is done, and he's telling God, and God, he's done, and he did the job. He gave water to the people, so right. he did his job for them. Right. But it's almost a, you know, he's telling... It's kind of like the rabbi's angry sermon right before, you know, the contract <laughs> extension. Like, really? Did you have to drop that kind of angry sermon right there? Hmm? I just think he's done. He, he, is, he knows how to listen and to follow God's, you know, commands. He's been doing it for quite a while now and getting stuff accomplished. Well, the, so. the, the question of faith, a number of commentators, uh, Rambam, this is a real question of Moses, that by saying it was his own ego, he was not allowing the children of Israel to see beyond him. So on one expression it's done it's also a kind of consolidation of his power and Aaron's power I just want to note that at the end of the line hey ma these are the waters that the children of Israel at Adonai the Israelites quarreled with what's that last line on verse 13 the Israelites quarreled with God God 
It's a bad triangle, and we've seen this again and again between God, the children of Israel, and Moses. They're angry at Moses. They're really angry at God. Yeah, yeah but it's, it, it only works in relationship God to the people, people to God. And he says, because you did not trust me enough in front of the people to let the congregation in a bad direction. And then he says, in that sense, you just read me and the Israelites formed with God, whose sanctity was affirmed through them. God's sanctity was affirmed through the people. Moses exposed well, I I think the bomb, meaning God's sanctity is, ex, is expressed through Moses and Aaron, but they chose at that moment to say, no, you want this? I'm going to make it. I'm going to force it out. So that the only way Israel can have faith and continued faith beyond Moses, so was Moses set up in this situation? Eventually, sure. Yeah. I mean, this is how HR... This you know what? The people are stealing staplers and pens. You want to try to figure out who stole the stapler? Don't worry. They're going to steal another pen. And they're not stealing. They're just they're making a mistake. And then you write, you know, just wait. Just wait. And here, and the lack of patience and patience, it's been a long time. And God was explicit. It's going to take a whole generation turnover. Was yeah. it time for leadership? And here's where my midrash, my exploratory midrash, couldn't Moses grow? Couldn't Moses turn into a techie? So what was Moses supposed to say to the rock? No. no. He was stirred. So what was, was Moses tired. supposed to say to the rock? Thank, thank. That's not here. He said, speak to the rock. Because God brought you out of this place and crossed the waters. I'm just making mid Right, right. God, God, God. So, not me, not me. Right, and I'm thinking when he said that you didn't uphold, God says you didn't uphold my sanctity in front of the people, at least to me the implication is what he was supposed to say is the God who brought you out, now God will bring water out of this rock. Nine times out of ten, I'll tell you the Kiddush was sponsored by Bert Klein. (laughs) The one time, okay, but not... The one time I say, God, we've got a great kiddish for you. I can't believe I got locks. And Margo's the one who sponsored the kiddish. You know what? That one time's enough. And yet, I I mean, I'm joking here only in part because it's so sad. There's death. And there's also death of Aaron. And Moses lives on. He gets this status. And this is what Devarim is really about, is this beautiful speech and a passioned one and a retelling a deuteronomus a second telling of what this story was about and and maybe I, I in part I want God to be more existential and not give a reason and this is why my existential side says because this is the way life is this it's was your time cycle. This, was, this is the moment and we've got plenty more cycle to go <coughs> I'm just saying there's the Balak there's plenty of there's plenty. Pinchas is a tremendous episode, you know. We're we're in numbers, but we got some ways to go. And so, and isn't that a, a real life story? Yeah. Is that in the middle of a midlife career? You know, here he is, Moses, in in that episode. This was the moment, and his humility and his kindness and all of it. But did Abraham mess up? Did Isaac mess up? Did Jacob mess up? Of course. Did Moses? This? You know, the Talmud says this about it. He says, I see the fork, I see the knife, I see the plate, I don't see the meat as to what the problem is. <laughs> I mean, that's what I smell clear. I mean, in its explanation, it's, it's a little thin. 
Really? Over a, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a, a current situation, but they're all really horrible, so I can't. Um, having, having previously identified four things that might have been, you know, things that Moses might have done wrong, now I'm going to try to cut him some slack. Okay, thank you. You mentioned earlier that there were, that there is a, there's a body of rabbinic thought that, that says, these guys were here for 20 years. Yes. So let's look at that 20 years. So mm -hmm. we can, now if, if we're at the beginning of the 20 years. It's the old guys complaining. Well, it's the yeah. old guys complaining, plus we're not that far removed in time from the episode in um, Exodus uh, 17. Excellent. Right? Where we're the last, you know, it's sort of like Moses is in grieving. God, all, all he hears from God is get water from the rock. He doesn't like. It's like he doesn't hear. You're going to speak to the rock this time. You're not going to hit it. You're just going to speak to it. Moses, like he's he's trying to simultaneously process what happened with Miriam and getting this command from God. And he's saying, "Oh, it's the rock thing." So he takes the he takes the rod and he and, the, and then he kind of improvises. But that's why he strikes it. Now, if you go to the other side, now we're at the end of this twenty-year period. And he's like sitting around saying, you know, I'm not getting any younger. We're still in this freaking place for mm -hmm. years. And like I've had it. And so that, that's why, you know, so this, this like cumulative frustration and stuff is what drives what happened. And the leadership, why it lasts so much longer is perhaps in this generational shift, this is Moses' role, is to take that people that he left out of Egypt into a death in the Midbar so that next generation can become a hardier... I mean, I just... You know this, uh, speaking about Israel in the first wave of Aliyah and the second wave of Aliyah, just how uh, the immigrant experience to the kibbutznikim of that second generation and some of the more vigorous Israeli mamash, you know, that were born in Israel, we're just talking about two totally different leaderships. Now, it took a Ben-Gurion, you know, to, to lead them both through the European side into the robust Israeli. Uh, but he's got to be a leader for two generations. And Joshua, as we know, is a very different leader as we, we move past the Torah. Joshua hasn't emerged yet, really, has he? Well, in, he has in the spies. He's this... Not as a successor, not, not as the one not direct. That comes very... But it's clear that Caleb and Joshua are seen as the up and coming. I might end up uh, as the vice president on the ticket, you know, but down the line we're certainly seeing... We're seeing signs of his leadership. Wow. Beautiful. We could take a moment and just... Uh, well, thank you guys. Uh, that was fun to, to study this, this paragraph. And then as we, we move forward... Um, I would say, uh, let us read just these th these last uh, verses about um, Aaron, and just let's contrast this with Miriam. Um, so from Kadesh, we're on verse 14, Moses sent messengers to the kingdom of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardships that have befallen us. Our ancestors went down to Egypt, dwelt in Egypt, and made the Egyptians deal harshly with us. We cried to Adonai, who heard our plea, sending a messenger to free us from Egypt. And now we're in Kadesh, the town on the border of your territory. 
Allow us then to cross your country. We will not pass through the fields or vineyards. We will not drink water from the wells. We will follow the king's highway. This is like taking the roundabout, turning either neither right nor left until we've crossed your territory. Yes? Taking the king's highway, turning neither right nor left. That resonates to so many times where God says, go down my road and don't go to the right or to the left. Is there any So that, relation? follow my law, that's right. in Deuteronomy. Right, don't go to the left and don't go to the right. They use the same expression. Same straight. I'm going to same straight. I am not going to come in to your territory. Let mm-hmm. us pass through. Uh, have you ever seen the line between Pakistan and India that, that tremendous migration that happened it's almost this kind of plea that, uh, that we can do this and it also speaks back Dana to your leadership shift this was not Moses' strength his political negotiation with enemies he was a fight power with power or even great power and a, a leader that could bring the people out of Egypt but I don't know if he was going to be a good, you know, Kissinger slash, you know, multilateral type of negotiator. But Adam answered. I think it's interesting uh, that they answered him, a love, because he sent uh, messengers, but they answered Moses. You shall not pass through us. We'll kill you. So, quote, we'll keep to the beaten track, the Israelites said to them. And our cattle are drinking water. We're going to pay. Just give us some passage. It's a minor trifle. But they replied, You shall not pass. And Edom went against them in a heavy force, strongly armed. So Edom would not let Israel cross their territory, and they turned away. So then they had to take even a longer route. Setting out from Kadesh, the Israelites arrived in a body at Mount Hor. Ha'ida Hor Hahar. Ha'ida Hor Hahar. Beautiful line. 23. At Mount Hor, on the boundary of the land of Edom, Adonai said to Moses and Aaron, Let Aaron be gathered to his kin. He is not to enter the land I have assigned to the Israelites, because you disobeyed my command about the waters of Meribah. But Aaron didn't disobey the command. Okay. Did he? Well, I guess he did by not stopping Moses. He didn't shift gears. He didn't speak up. He was the interlocutor, you know? And then what's really shocking here is I want God to be like, and by the way, you built a golden calf. I mean, (laughs) you had your moment. But again, it goes back to this one insignificant moment. I think about this existentially all the time. Is it the big episodes of life that really dictate some of the causalities of our of our destiny? Or are they really more in that subtle moment? I mean, I don't want to say, is it like, do I want a caprese or do I want a, you know, a vegetable sandwich? I'm, I'm really talking about, you know, in, uh, in interviews, in dating, in relationships, in, in... Are they the small things or are they the big things? It's accumulation of the little things, I think. That start over time. So it could be just as simple as, well, Aaron, you stayed silent. That accumulation of being the appeaser and Ohev Shalom Verodev Shalom, Aaron. He's always uh, pursuing peace and loving peace. He loves all people, but in, in that love, he had a hard time saying, hey, wait, 
He had a hard time uh, speaking up against it. He had the same problem with the golden calf. Correct. But then why did... Doesn't bring Aaron it up was here. Not a man of strong character when it came to standing up to holding the tribe. He didn't speak up when his sons died. Uh, well, again, he was also ordered not to. So, uh, so is a strong character. I don't know. I, I feel for Aaron a ton because he sucks it up. He's a second child. I can just feel. You know, <laughs> you, I feel it. I feel it in him. I just feel that like. Just trying to be a nice guy. I know I messed up. That's his lot. Is to always appease. But also, the priests are the priests are a lineage through him. Yes, very. And just let's look at the comparison between Miriam. She's buried there. Do you see how explicit it is? Mount Hor on the boundary of the land of Edom. This is where it is on Mount Hor. It's giving you such an explicit place. Now we don't exactly define it. No one has built a little mausoleum <laughs> to this uh, to this very spot. But also a Mount Hor, there's a debate. Just like St. Catherine's is maybe Mount Sinai, maybe not. Yeah. I prefer to think you don't know where it is because you, I'm not a big fan of the reverential death places. Chilula, I like it culturally, Morocco, etc. But I, I also want to just take a moment. How many of us get to know that we're going to pass and this God tells Moses and Aaron hey you're going to die and this is where you're going to be buried before he dies mm-hmm. scary yeah. but I, I, I don't know would you rather that or Moses you're going to die at some point you got another 20 years with these guys I'm not going to tell you where when or how but you just you blew it and that's why you're not going to make it Aaron gets a much nicer, I think, decree. I'm curious for all of us. Would you want to know? And so, Moses did as God commanded. They sounded Mount Hor inside of the whole community. But what is it also, Dana, back to your point, that Moses strips Aaron of his vestments, puts them onto Eleazar. Transition planning. And Aaron died there on the summit of the mountain. Because if Aaron stayed living, this is kind of like the Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, you know, when he steps down and stays around. Tricky transitions. So here, Eleazar now becomes the high priest, and Aaron died on the summit of the mountain. When Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain, the whole community knew that Aaron had breathed his last, and the house of Israel bewailed. Vayifku et Aaron shloshim yom kol beit Yisrael, and all the house of Israel bewailed Aaron thirty days, and now I return. All right, redactor. That's an editing choice. That's a pretty nice coda. I mean, it's a good way to go. And by the way, this didn't happen to Mary. Right. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Right. Did Mary have children? I don't think so. I, no, Miriam. I don't recall her no. being married or having children. Because here he gets to go up to the top of the mountain with his son. Yes. I remember another man going to the top of a mountain with his son. This phrase is found in the Torah only in connection let him be gathered to his kin with six characters. Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Aaron. This verb, however, is also used twelve uh, when Miriam is readmitted to the camp. 
She is gathered in by the people before mm. they continue their march. But gathered in, she wasn't, she wasn't uh, uh, mourned. Miriam and Aaron bookend this particular unit. Was she, was she single? I don't think we have Miriam's lineage. Perhaps because of this priestess, that if you have that lineage, if Miriam has bought Miriam, you can imagine mm-hmm. that woman is going to have a pretty powerful cult. Perhaps. This is good. All, all the, conspiracy theories that I welcome. If the redactor, if the, if, the, if the particular redactor working on this section happens to be a priestly ideologue. Yes. Well, then he's going to... No, I hear uh, that. Very interesting. Then he's going to pump up the priestly part of the story and diminish... Oh, do I want to find the book of... The book of Miriam, right? (laughs) That they found somewhere in Kadesh in the Sinai. We can't use this, you know. Maybe that is... That is an alternative read as to why it is so so close. And again, 30 days, right? We don't know Shloshim Yom. Why do we do Shloshim? Why do we have 30 days of mourning after Shiva? We have a reason for Shiva. Here is the reason for Shloshim. They wailed for 30 days. And now, this is... I'm going to leave you with this, and it's a rhetorical question, but... Uh, in work and professionally and often in generations you have to be good cop and bad cop and sometimes the good cops the nice guy the nice people the one moment that they're bad cop that's the moment that they're remembered for losing it so Aaron is punished for not stepping up and not being angry but he was never angry and everybody mourns him 30 days how do you want to go was he the most effective leader no he you know, gave us the golden calf, but he worked in partnership and people loved him. <clears throat> What's more important in this world? To be kind, to be righteous. How are we remembered? Fighter, someone who gets things done, but no one liked him, gruff. She was difficult to work with, but wow, built so much. The industrialist versus the sweetheart. Ohev shalom v'rodev shalom. And a priest. I don't know. I leave that rhetorical. But I, I see the apposition so clearly. Whereas Moses, you know, his final, his final destination and his ending place, he ends with a speech that lasts an entire book. Uh, a pleasure always to study with you. And uh, we'll continue again uh, next week.